Amen. It's a good night. Hello, River House. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to start with, with prayer, and then we're just going to jump right into what the Lord wants to do tonight. So we thank you, Father. You're already here, but we'd ask that you'd continue to come. Lord, your, the train of your robe was filling and filling and filling the temple as Isaiah gazed upon you in Isaiah 6. And we just pray, Lord, that you keep doing that tonight. You just keep filling and filling and filling and filling. And we just give you permission to do whatever you want to do. And maybe just between you, your heart and the heart of God, just say, God, I give you permission to be God tonight. Lord, we do. We give you permission to be exactly who you are in this place tonight. We don't want you to come and fit into our conception of who we think you, you are, what we have you pinned to be. We want you to be you. So come be you, Jesus. Come be you and show us your glory. Speak to our hearts, God. Touch us. Touch us, God. Mark us. Move us. Compel us. Just, just be yourself, Jesus. Be the Jesus that we read about all through these Gospels, God. Just come and be you tonight here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was praying before service, and I just, I just had this impression that I believe the Holy Spirit, uh, that I, I can't really preach till I get to this, but I was uh, in Matthew, Jesus was sleeping through a storm. Anybody read this? It's in Matthew 8, Matthew 8. And then uh, right as he wakes up from the storm, they get to the other side of the sea, and there's some uh, men who are being tormented by demonic spirits, and Jesus brings freedom to them. And I just felt this prompting from the Holy Spirit that there's some people in this room that you're in a place where you feel like you're being tormented. And specifically, there's at least one of you who feel like you, you haven't even been able to tell anybody because they're going to think you're crazy if you tell anybody. Uh, and some of you, had, I think it's just a few people, but it's, it's starting to affect even your workplace because of just this, this torment that you're experiencing. And this isn't to expose anything, but just Jesus this, the Jesus that we know and we sing about, he wants to bring freedom. And so if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to do something courageous and stand up. Uh, if anybody on your prayer team, my prayer team, if you can just look, as if people stand, I just want to pray. If you can just come, we just want to lay hands on you if that's okay. Just bless you, honey. So much courage. Just proud of you tonight. Is there anybody else in this place that you just, you just, yeah. Thank you. Another one. Yeah, if there's anybody else, it's just, there's nothing weird about this. This is, we're just going to let Jesus be Jesus here. Yeah, there's one more up here on the right. If we can just get a few to just pray. Yeah, thank you. So proud of you guys. So let's just, as a congregation, let's just close your eyes. Maybe extend your hands towards someone that's near you. And we're just going to speak peace. Jesus, you slept through the storm. They woke you up in the storm. You spoke peace to the storm, and the storm calmed. And so we speak peace to the storm that's going on. God, we plead the blood of Jesus over our brothers and sisters that are coming, God, and, and, and publicly in this place saying, I need you, God. And we thank you that you are near to us, that when we call upon you, God, that you are near. We speak freedom. God, we take authority over any torment, God, any demonic spirit that wants to still kill and destroy from the abundant life that Jesus purchased on the cross. And we just say, be gone in the name of Jesus. And we release the peace of God to push out the darkness, to break every bond, to break every thought. We speak peace over your mind. And we just release the comfort of the Holy Spirit right now. I just feel that God wants you to know you are not crazy. 
You are not weird. You're not out there. You're just in the middle of a battle. And we just say the victory belongs to the Lord tonight. So we release victory right now into your life. In Jesus' name, we just speak that your sleep will be sweet, that you will sleep in peace, and you will rise up refreshed. We just thank you, God, for what you're doing. Yeah, just maybe just, just pray out loud. Just bless them. Just let, the, let them hear the voice of the congregation. Just, we just bless a double portion, favor of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. Yeah, just, just pray out. There's power in the prayers of the people of God. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And if this is different for some of you, if you're new here, we're just, we're letting Jesus lead church. <laughs> So it's, sometimes it's different for me too, but I just learned we gotta obey that still small voice. And this is church. This is what we come to church for, to let Jesus be Jesus. And so, you know, it's like the heart of Jesus for the ones that are hurting, you know? So this is our moment together as a church, even if it's not specifically for us. Amen. 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 If you guys feel like you need to keep praying, that's okay. Jesus can do multitasking. <laughs> Amen. Are we awake, church? Jesus is alive. He's risen. He is risen. Yes, thank you. We're living in the reality of a resurrected Jesus that's here in this place, and he's walking in this room, and we've been invited into the kingdom of God that he inaugurated, which is that God is near and that God is now, and that God is directly, immediately involved in the affairs of our lives, intimately, more intimate than our breath. That's the kingdom of God that we talk about. Amen? We've been talking about the kingdom. We're going to continue talking about the kingdom tonight. And I believe the Holy Spirit's given me a word to give you a key. It's a gift from his heart that's going to unlock your understanding for you to step into the kingdom in a way that you have not yet. Uh, before I get there, I want to just introduce that topic tonight in, in the terms I just... I, I want to build a context, and then I'm going to jump into what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that context is that uh, I'm going to talk about something that may make some of you uncomfortable tonight. It's going to be a controversial topic. That's why I want to do this. I'm going to talk about the gift of tongues. So there you go. You don't have to think about it. Um, <laughs> some of you are excited. Some of you are like, how far is the door from me? It's okay. It's okay. Just stay with me. But this is what I want to build the context in. The church is the most divided that it's ever been in the history of the church. It's just splintering at a rate that's really sad. And I think it grieves the heart of God. Francis Chan, if you want to look at some of the things that he's putting out on the topic of the division of the church, I think it's just powerful, beautiful, provocative content. I don't want to go deep into that tonight, but I want to say this. 
The lack of honor that exists in the church at large actually reveals a lack of humility within the church. This is what I mean by that. If I can't honor my brothers and sisters who are made in the, the image of God, what that reveals is that I'm not actually hum, humbled in, 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 in this place of awe and reverence before who God is himself. If I can't honor people that are different than me within the body of Christ and things that maybe are different than me within the body of Christ, right? The, the, my brothers and sisters that are humans are a lot more like me than God is. <laughs> God's holy. You know how we sing that sometimes? Holy. Right? You, you, are you guys awake? You know, we sing that. That word means other. It's like alien. It means God's like, I'm not like you. I'm holy. I'm different than you. And we're on this lifelong journey and then into eternity learning to become like Jesus, but we're not like him yet. God is holy. He's other. God is intimate, and we can get really intimate with him, and there's parts where he's cuddly, and he's safe, and he's warm, and he's soft, and he's tender, right? John, the beloved, leaned against Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, and Peter would ask him, whisper, tell him who's going to betray you. Like, John was so close with him. And then, you know, years later, you'd think John was probably still close with him, but it, Jesus comes to him on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation, and John sees him, he falls like a dead man. Holy! Holy, he says he's trembling. You see it in Isaiah, he falls like a dead man. I'm unclean. God's holy. Right? So if I can't honor brothers and sisters who are different than me, we're kidding ourselves if we think that we are in a heart posture that's saying, God, I am beholding and in awe of who you are. You can be God with me. Right? If I'm not able to honor and value people that are different than me, perspectives that are different than me, all these things that are different than me, theological streams that are different than me, we're kidding ourselves if we think that we are in this humble, reverent place before the God of eternity, saying, you can be the God of my life. See, if I can only honor people that are, think like me and talk like me and look like me and have gifts like me and, and think all the same things like me, what that reveals is that I'm only comfortable with the parts of God that are like me. Wow. See, we're either going to allow God to be God and he'll make us into his image, or we're still hanging on to bits of control and we're trying to make him into our image. So our lack of honor reveals a lack of reverence and humility before the face of God. So that's the context I want to build tonight. About a month and a half ago, Jackie and I were in, in Wales. Didn't Jackie do a great job up here tonight? I was such a, I was such a proud husband. I'm like, that's my girl. Thank you, God. Did you hear her tell you, get on your knees? What do you think she does to me in private at home? Get on your knees and pray. I'm like, okay. Boom, that thing comes out. I'm like, all right, I'll do whatever you want. I swear. Jackie and I were in Wales. We got kind of through this random thing, met this guy, this English guy, and he said, hey, you want to go with me? Uh, he took us to this, there's a chapel in the middle of nowhere in Wales, a little tiny chapel, and we walked in, and it's, you know, it's like double-decker, maybe 150 pew seats in there, and right on the, the, the pulpits here, there's a pew just about right there. It had a little plaque on it, and it said on this day, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday in 1903 is where Evan Roberts got filled with the Spirit of God 
And three months later, 100,000 people have been saved through the Welsh revival. And the story goes that it was a little, it was a little prayer conference. And uh, Evan, he was 26 years old. The pastor, the day before, had prayed this prayer, God, that you would bend us. And he thought about it. He was ruminating on this phrase ever since, just bend me, God, bend me, God. And it was just kind of stirring his spirit. And then he came the next morning, he's sitting there. And as he's sitting there, it's like this fire was growing inside of him until all of a sudden he couldn't control it anymore. And he just exclaimed, bend me, God, bend me, bend me, God. And in, in Wales, it was very proper, you know, proper church. And this young man is exclaiming, bend me, looking like he's on fire and being electrocuted as the Spirit of God just came and bent the soul of this young man, actually postured him in this humble vessel so that the glory could come and inhabit. That is what God's looking for, hearts that will bend, hearts that just say, bend me. I want you to be God. God's looking for soft clay, moldable. He's looking for childlike faith. You're not converted and become like a child. You're not going to enter into the kingdom. He's looking for people that will bend. He's looking for people that are soft. Amen? Amen. That's my introduction. Are you ready? So I want to talk about the, the gift of tongues tonight. This is a controversial gift. The Lord gave me a revelation about two months ago. I was flying to Europe, Delta Comfort Plus. Boom. Just got just this beautiful revelation from heaven. And I sat on it for a few months. The Lord told me to release it, or a couple months. The Lord t- told me to release it at the conference we had last weekend. So if you're here, you're going to get to hear it again. But thankfully, Dan preached last week about first-time faith. So you just get to hear it like it's the first time. Amen. Um, but but I, I believe the Lord's given to me. I think it's a now word for our congregation. I believe that God is wanting to do two things today. One, there's an opportunity for some of us to bend beneath the revelation of God's nature that's revealed through his gift. And two, there's an infusing of belief that God wants to put into this gift because I see this gift, it's drifted in some ways just into charismatic group think like, this is what you do because you're charismatic. You pray in tongues, but we haven't been doing it with faith. And so I want to raise the belief attached to this gift so that we can actually activate it and use it for what it's meant to do, which is to bring us into union with God and get us connected to the revelatory stream of his voice, which is what we need to walk into the kingdom and follow Jesus the way that we have been created to follow him. Amen. All right. Are you with me, church? Okay, so I, before I, I want to I frame this gift in, the, in light, in the context of what Jesus' mission was on earth. To understand the gift, we need to understand the mission. We need to understand how enormous the mission was. All right, so Jesus came to bridge two cultures, two civilizations, two worlds, whatever you want to call it, that are very, very, very different from each other. He came to to build a connection, a bridge between heaven and earth, between the kingdom of God and the fallen kingdom of man. And these are two vastly different worlds, worlds apart, different beliefs, different values, different operating systems, different everything. This would be close to like if you were commissioned to go back to the year 500 and you were supposed to bridge them in their understanding so that they would understand 
what the modern world was like. That's a pretty daunting task. We'd, I'd probably give up in two days. These ignorant people will never get it. You are so stubborn and resistant to change. Just brush your teeth, I swear, it'll help you. You know, like just think of how the massive an undertaking it would be. You know, Jesus, he, he's an alien, he's a foreigner, he's, he's someone coming from a completely different realm, a different world, but he's coming to bridge the, the gap in the understanding so that these, that us, fallen humanity, living as the God of our own lives in rebellion with very little to no knowledge of God would come to a place where they could see what the kingdom of God was actually like. Jesus came to inaugurate a better way, the life that you've been longing for. I'm coming to make it available to you right now, but you are very, 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 very far from it. Are you with me? So Jesus had a massive undertaking. Nobody but God could do what Jesus was coming to earth to do. Nobody. Nobody could even begin to fathom doing something so monumental as this. I think it's the greatest undertaking in the history of the universe, what Jesus came to do. But thankfully, Jesus is an absolute genius. And, and we see that there's a, a three-part process uh, that I want to take us through in the Gospels that Jesus engages in to try to build this bridge. Right? And it's important to understand this, that if, if you're ever going to build a bridge between any humans, cultures, civilizations, cities, whatever it is, it will always come down to communication. Because language is the bridge. Language is the first thing shared in every human-human interaction. Language is the first thing shared when every time cultures come together and, and interact. Every time civilizations, nations, whatever it is, it's always going to be language. Language is the bridge of humanity. Language is a system of thoughts, ideas, expressions, phrases, words, pictures, stories that we use as humans to express ourselves. So if we're going to build a bridge of understanding, it had to be in language. It was always going to be about language. Amen? So Jesus comes in this very thorough, intentional process to build a bridge of language between People living in the kingdom of darkness, people living or in Jesus in the kingdom of God. Right? What is the kingdom of God? I'm just going to define it and then we'll get a little bit deeper into it. But the kingdom of God, I think most succinctly, is living in the immediate, direct leadership of God. That's the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus came to inaugurate to the earth. God is now... God is moving through me. You have intimate action, interaction with him. He's speaking by his voice and by his presence. I only do what I see my father doing. I only, I have, can do nothing of my own initiative. There's all these references, particularly in John, where Jesus kind of takes the hood off the car and says, this is the kingdom. It's walking and talking and living with God. God is now. Amen. The kingdom's here. All right, so three phases here where Jesus is going to try to reveal the kingdom to humanity. Phase one, he comes, he does nothing but be a learner. Say learner. learner. Jesus came and he learned the language of humanity. For 30 years, he's a learner. He learns the local dialect, the actual you know, language of Hebrew, Aramaic, what they were speaking in that part of the world. But even at a deeper level, he learned the language of being human. He empathized with our weaknesses. He understood our frailties. He was tempted in all ways. Jesus learned what it was like to be a human being. 
so that he could speak in our language, so that he could deeply empathize with us, so that he understood, he could form connection with humanity because he became a human. So beautiful, radical humility. For 30 years, Jesus came and learned our language. Part two, day of baptism, the Spirit of God comes upon him. He gets anointed for ministry, goes to the wilderness for 40 days. He comes back in the power of the Spirit, and he begins his earthly ministry. And his statement is, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And this is the transition. Jesus transitions from being a learner, from from humbling himself, taking on human form, and now phase two is his earthly ministry. The next three years he comes, he uses the language that he has learned, which is the language of humanity, the language of Hebrew and Aramaic, and he starts presenting the kingdom in the language of humanity. And this is the thing about the Gospels. If you don't love the Gospels and you haven't read the Gospels, you're missing the most marvelous masterpiece of communication ever presented to humanity. Oh, everything Jesus does is he's communicating this is what the kingdom's like in your language. Every healing, every miracle, every deliverance, every conversation, every sermon, every every. Everything, every parable, every story, his whole life is this living depiction of what the kingdom's like. John 1, he came and he explained the Father. Nobody had seen the Father. Jesus explained him. He was the exact representation of God's nature. He gets almost offended at Thomas in John 14 when he says, you know, show us the Father and it's enough. And he says, how can you say that, Thomas? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I have so completely revealed and communicated in a language that you understood. I've showed you the kingdom. I've showed you what it's looked like to live in the God reality and the abundant life and the thing that you're longing for. Everything Jesus is doing is just communicating in our language. It's beautiful. It's masterful. And the amazing thing right, is like some people kind of get it. But nobody, you read the scriptures, nobody got it. <laughs> no, nobody got it. Not one person. Some people in part got it. They're like, you know, yeah, you're the king. But they wanted to make him an earthly king. Some people were offended. Some people got it more than others, but nobody got it. Even his very disciples, they didn't get it. Nobody fully understood the king that Jesus was in the kingdom and the realm of the kingdom, what it was actually what Jesus was coming to inaugurate. And, and Jesus actually doesn't appear to be threatened by this because he goes to the cross and he dies before any person got it. Because Jesus, I don't believe, had an expectation of any human fully getting the reality of the kingdom because he is still communicating the kingdom in, in our language. He was communicating something that's beyond human language within human language. But what Jesus does seem to be extremely concerned about is the belief of the people that he's interacting with. If you read, just read the Gospels and look at all the different stories and interactions, he's always commenting on the belief level or the faith level. Your faith is great. You have little faith. You're a perverted generation that has no faith. You, you have faith. Why are you unbelieving? He's, he's commenting on faith, faith, faith. He's looking for faith. He's looking for belief. This is important 
Right? The kingdom of God, living under the direct, immediate leadership of God, is a kingdom that's built on faith. It's a kingdom that actually, its operating system is trust. You, you trust God more than yourself. You let God be God, which means God is the dictator of what's good or not, not you. This is, this is, this is the best picture I have. Imagine the nice hearing here is the stage is so big and I'm so far from you, it's really easy. Imagine there's a raging river right here, just raging. And it goes and it curls and right at the wall over there, there you can just see it kind of dips over and there's a waterfall. Okay, so imagine the scene here. Raging river and there's a waterfall 40 yards that way. You don't know how big it is. You're just standing here, and God says, jump in. This is what the kingdom, this is, this is the operating system of the kingdom, trust. Okay. That's it. That's the kingdom. It's an operating system of trust. But we all know, what would we do if we're standing here? Well, how deep's the river? Are there rocks down there? Am I going to die? Am I going to drown? How fast is that going? How big is that waterfall? Am I going to die over that waterfall? If I don't die over the waterfall, where's the river going? How do I know if this is good? How do, are you sure? Did I make up this voice? Is that even you, God? Question, 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 question. Are you following me? We have a million thoughts that kick in the second we hear that voice. But Jesus, right, this is, this is the, this, I believe, trust versus control is the greatest bridge that Jesus was seeking to divide through his, his ministry. He's trying to bridge a people that are saying, I am the God of my own life. I am the judge and the determiner of a determination. I'm the final word on what is good and what is not. This is the garden. Did God really say you can eat of that? Doesn't that fruit look nice and juicy? Doesn't that look delicious? He might have said it's not good, but what do you think? Right, there, was, there was a change of lordship. And Adam thought he was becoming powerful. He was actually forfeiting his power, becoming slave of a being that wants to kill, steal, and destroy humanity simply because we're the beloved of God. And the change of lordship came as our spirit died. On the day that you eat of the fruit, surely you will die. Sin killed the spirit within us. We became people, creatures governed by the ration of our own minds. Meaning this, if I'm operating in a an ecosystem of control, I will never jump in the river. I'll only do what's like me. I will only be able to say yes to something that I think is good. I will only be able to trust something that I've experienced myself that I feel that I have control of. So the, the lid on my experience of the kingdom, even as a Christian, if I've not yielded control, will be my own understanding. This is where Proverbs 3 is a prophetic oracle. It says, lean not on your button, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Jump in the river. Okay. That's the kingdom. Hey, Jordan, there's people that are being uh, tormented. Ask them to stand up. Well, that's kind of weird, Lord. I haven't even preached yet. What if nobody stands up? What if people think we're weird in here? What if da 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 da? Just jump in the river, son. <laughs> Right? 
Trust first control. Are you following me? So what Jesus is confronting all throughout his earthly ministry and what he's looking, what he's, why he's making these comments on belief is he's looking for the people that are operating in trust. They're saying, I, tr- I trust you. I believe you. He's not looking for people that fully get it. He's just looking for people that have a heart of trust, that belief that he's finding faith. He's finding a place that he can operate because he knows I can work with someone. If I can work with believers. Just give me faith the size of a mustard seed and I can do it. Just, just, just jump in the water and see me. Test me at my word. See what I do. So Jesus is looking for faith. Two, two, I could find probably 30 examples in here, but let's go into two from the book of John where Jesus is working with people in the same dilemma, standing at the bank of the river. The first is Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee. Say Pharisee, Pharisee. Wah, wah, wah. Right, we, we give Pharisees a bad rap, but let's think of this. Nicodemus, he probably had the five books of the, New, the Old Covenant uh, memorized before he was 10 years old. He's a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a teacher of the teachers. His whole life was spent studying Torah in prayer. He was a man of God. Jesus comes along doing the works of God, but he's totally violating his understanding of what it would mean to be God or a prophet or a holy man. And Nicodemus is very disturbed. He comes to Jesus by night. And he begins asking Jesus these questions, and he's saying, hey, basically, no one can do what you're doing unless he's from God. But he's coming by night, because he knows his reputation's on the line. So his head's freaking out, but something inside his spirit's like, could you be? Jesus does not seek to give Nicodemus some mental intellectual comfort. He starts the conversation by saying, oh, you got to be born again. We think born again is like a normal phrase because we're Christians. Oh, you just got to be born again. Yeah, that's a super normal thing to say. What the heck does that mean? Born again? You got to be born again? And he's like, what do you mean born again? Jesus starts going and saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter anything. The flesh won't profit anything. It's by the Spirit. And those who are born of the Spirit and the water, they're like, the ones born of the Spirit, they're like, the wind comes and you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. And you can just see Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about right now? And then Jesus replies. He says, are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't understand what I'm saying? He says, and if you don't believe when I'm speaking to you earthly things, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? What is Jesus saying? I'm here speaking in your language. You don't believe me. How are you going to believe if I reveal the glory of the kingdom to you? And Nicodemus leaves that night disturbed. He gets there. He gets to faith later in the story. But do you see the tension, the head and the heart, the inner ears, right? Jesus is disregarding the outer ears and the outer eyes. He's speaking to the inner ears. He's appealing to the inner man. John 6, most cringy sermon in the history of the church, 
Jesus is probably getting his instructions from the Father. All right, son, you need to tell them today they're going to drink your blood and eat your flesh. And that's how they'll have life. Father, can I tell them it's grape juice and crackers? No. <laughs> you know, like that would have been helpful information. Can I get an amen? All right, no helpful information, no uh, taglines. He's not nuancing it. He's just going straight in. You got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you read the whole progression of the John 6 sermon, it will make your heart start beating faster because you're like, wow, there was enough tension in this room to cut it with a knife. And Jesus is speaking. This was the sermon that you were sure that you were sure that you had just found the cult leader or apostate in your midst. Like, like I want you to actually think about it. That you're in the presence of a man that you think's a prophet, and he starts preaching that you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Like, this is seriously cringy. And at the same time, remember that he is the word made flesh. He's the one who gives the spirit without measure. Meaning the atmosphere in that room would have been the manifest presence of God. So something on the inside would have been feasting upon the bread of heaven being revealed to you. But your mind would have been screaming, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> My understanding, my experience, no. They get offended. Most of the people leave. I marvel at Jesus, the conviction he had. He's okay. They're leaving. But he looks at his disciples. Are you going to leave too? Some of the disciples withdraw. And he starts speaking. He says, my words are spirit and life. The flesh profits you nothing. Very similar to what he's saying to Nicodemus. My words are spirit and life. Again, Jesus is not speaking to the outer man. He's not speaking to the outer ears. He's not appealing to the outer eyes. He's speaking to the heart. You need new ears if you're going to catch what I'm saying. You need new eyes. And the disciples get there. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed that you are the Son of God. Which is, I think, Peter's way of saying, like, I don't get all this stuff, but I believe. So Jesus, for three years, is, is, he's misunderstood. Nobody gets the kingdom. Even his disciples who believed there, they didn't, they didn't get it. They, Peter denied him. They didn't understand the kingdom. They didn't understand that he was going to die and resurrect. They didn't understand what Jesus was about to inaugurate. But Jesus was okay with that. What he was looking for was believers. He just needed people that were believers, that he discipled in this way, that when they hear that voice, they're going to jump in the water. Part two. Dun, 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 dun. Blood pressure rising. We all know what part three is. Pentecost. Jesus resurrects. He ascends. I actually don't think the disciples got it yet. So stay in the upper room. Pray. They're praying. As they're praying, the day the birth, the church's birth, the birthday of the church, the Holy Spirit comes and he gives them a gift. First gift 
first thing that happens to the church, which has also probably been the most controversial thing, at least in the last 120 years of the church. He gives the gift of tongues. They start speaking in languages that are unintelligent to them, and they don't make sense, but other people are hearing it in their own tongue. Peter is speaking the same Peter. Right? This is the same Peter who denies Jesus. Then Jesus is resurrected from the dead, redeems him. You know, the do, we, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, you're like, wow, Peter's finally back. And then the first thing he says after that statement is what? Well, what about John's call? Does he, does he have to be like me? Like, do, does he get to die too? It's like, then he's in comparison. It's like, Peter's a mess. Same Peter, right? So post-resurrection, he's still a mess. Still comparing himself, still in insecurity, still in the flesh. Starts speaking in a new tongue. The same man gets a revelation from the Spirit, and he starts preaching, piercing the heart of the very people that he was afraid of just a few hours before. Sees the great gathering of the church. And we see these same men, the ones that had at least had this foundation of belief, they catch the language of God. So Jesus comes, he learns our language, he then presents the kingdom in the language that we can relate to. But then to those that find the belief system, the operating system of the kingdom, what it's built on, the people that will jump in the river, he gives the language of God so that God can break the lid of our understanding and we can start to relate to God on his level. Now catch with me here. If you wanted to have a conversation, I know there's a lot of people in here, you probably like testing. Tesla or SpaceX. You think Elon Musk is quite an interesting fellow. I do too, right? I don't have a Tesla. I probably never will. But if I wanted to have a conversation with Elon Musk and be like, hey, tell me, tell me what's going on in the world with Tesla and SpaceX. You know, he's a genius. Do you guys know that? Like complex physics and space and all this stuff that I couldn't even begin to understand. I've listened to enough interviews from the man to understand that he speaks in a language and a world that I could never even begin to fathom. If me and him were to have lunch and I was going to say, hey, tell me about what's going on in your world, how many people know he would have to lower his level of, of a, the, the, the lid on the conversation would be my understanding. He would have to come down to my level to have any sort of a conversation or a dialogue. It wouldn't be a very stimulating conversation for him unless we started talking about the things of God. Can I get an amen? Right? It wouldn't be very stimulating for him because the, the, the lid on the conversation would be my level of understanding. It's similar to if you're a parent of a young child. My mom, I told this story at the conference, but my mom used to have this story whenever there was topics of conversation that came up that I wasn't allowed to know because I was too young. She'd tell a story. She's like, oh, there's a man who has his little, little son with him at a train station, and the boy has his little suitcase, and the dad has his big suitcase. And the boy says, dad, I want to... What's in your suitcase? Why is it so big? And the man, the dad would look and say, son, you, you can't know. This suitcase is too heavy for you right now. You can't carry this. So my whole childhood, my mom would be like, no, no, no. do you remember the suitcase? I'd be like, yeah, I remember the suitcase. They'd be like, hey, mom, what's going on? You're on the phone. That seemed kind of intense or whatever. Do you remember the suitcase? So my whole childhood, I remember just being like, what is in that freaking suitcase? I thought it was, you know. As I was probably five, you know, I'm like, you could have just told me no, mom. <laughs> but right, what she was telling me is this is too heavy for you. You don't have the ability to comprehend this. You don't have the ability to understand this stuff. The suitcase, you can't carry the suitcase. God and us, we, we, our level of understanding 
was the lid on the dialogue, but all of a sudden God says, no, 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 I don't want the le your level of understanding, your level of comprehension. I'm going to give you my language. I'm going to break the lid of your understanding, and I'm going to supernaturally empower your inner man, your spirit man, to start to speak with me at my level, so that the Spirit of God, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Spirit of God who searches the depths of God and knows the thoughts of God will reveal them to you through the Spirit, combining spiritual words with spiritual thoughts. This is why fishermen all of a sudden were revealing mysteries to the scribes and the Pharisees and they were saying we don't know how uneducated men are speaking the mysteries of the kingdom of God to us because these men who became believers received the gift of the spirit and began to commune with God and entered into the spirit and they got into the river and they found that that river was more powerful and full of life than they ever imagined God has given us his language. Now you may be sitting there and be like, well, tongues is weird. It is really weird. It's alien. The question is not if tongues is weird or not. God is weird. Have you read the Bible? <laughs> like, like, have you read the Old Testament? Have you seen what the prophets of old did? God is not like us. <laughs> Come on. I'd write a different book. The question is not is tongues weird. The question is tongues good. And the questions if tongues is good or not comes down to who is God. We sometimes act like the charismatic church who at times I will openly confess has abused this gift. But we act like the charismatic church or the Pentecostal church is the one who created this gift. This was the first thing that the spirit of holiness who proceeds forth from the Father bestowed upon the bride. The first thing. Before we had the New Testament, we had the gift of tongues. And I don't think it's an accident that the man who wrote most of the New Testament is the same man who said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because tongues is our key of access to the revelatory stream of God's voice. When we're speaking in a prayer language, which is a, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable with tongues, I want you to read 1 Corinthians 14. Read it like 10 times. You will find no doctrine or evidence for the cessation of this gift. You'll find a man, an apostle, who's pastoring the gift. It needs to be pastored. There, there's, a, there's a way, this is, but who is, who's speaking into what the heart of this is. But the mind, the, when the mind's, when you're praying in the spirit, the mind's unfruitful. Which is a way of saying that when you're praying in the spirit, the mind must submit to the mystery of God. And as the mind submits to mystery, as our proud western scientific minds submit to the mystery of God, our spirit receives revelation and our mind comes back into the created order which is that our spirit is what's regenerated in Christ a new creation that has never before existed is recreated when you are born again by the spirit and our spirit has the hardwired ability to intertwine itself with God's spirit to experience union this is John 15 the vine and the branch 
It's in the spirit that you're experiencing that union. Your spirit is made to be in union with God. Your soul, which is the emotional aspects of you, the will, is then to be subject to the leadership of the spirit, which is in union with God's spirit. And your mind is then actually the servant of the human. And it's, it's been given. Our minds, see, I, I don't like the prayer that we'd shut off our minds. Our minds don't need to be shut off. They need to be submitted. Our minds are, are actually these beautiful gifts from God that our minds have the ability to experience, receive spiritual language. This is 1 Corinthians 2. And combine spiritual words and spiritual thoughts to put language. Our minds are actually brilliant. They're prophetic. They're made to make sense of the things of God. That's why we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? Amen. So the mind submits to mystery, which is a way of bending to say, God, you are God. I'm not. You know, I've had, I, I had coffee one time was a number of years ago, but it was, with, it was with a person loved the Lord. I mean, deeply loved the Lord, someone that I admired their faith. And in so many ways, but they literally looked at me and said, yeah, I've told God, like, I'll receive any gift from him except the gift of tongues. And kind of said it smugly to me. And I was like, that's not okay. Like, that's so prideful before the face of God. It's so disrespectful. It's like, I, I couldn't imagine doing that to my own sibling at Christmas. Sorry, <laughs> don't want that gift. Bad gift. Much less God. <laughs> it's like, it's God. It's like, sorry, God, I think your gift's too weird. Wow. Which is actually saying, I'm living in the fear of man, and I care more what people are going to think of me and what my reputation may be or what people may say. This is why Paul's, you can't be a pleaser of man and a pleaser of God at the same time. God's looking for people that will bend. That will bend beneath and say, I want you to just be yourself around me. When he finds that type of posture, he comes. These are the people that he uses. Amen. People say this gift's been misused. It has. I think a lot of people don't understand what we've been given. It's, it's in private. It's in the quiet. It's for your own edification. But at the same time, we've had such a spirit of offense so widely in the church towards the gift that we can't recognize when people are having you know, holy moments and worship next to us. We're offended that they're not speaking it with interpretation. That's not what Paul's trying to get at. It's not a hardwired control. We think you know, that verse in 1 Corinthians 14, that all things are to be done in order, has been perverted through the control of man to be this thing of, no, no, no. 
needs to be controlled. And it's not flowing from this place of love. God wants us to be in love with each other and with him. And he wants a church that's willing to receive the gift of his language. But it will be uncomfortable for some. But that's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And I, I can feel some of the tension in the room tonight, but it's good. It's good. And I believe tonight God wants to, there, there's opportunity for some of you that there's a proclamation demonstration of the word. I don't think God just releases a word without the grace to experience the word. It's a living word. I believe it's a living word from heaven. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give gifts to people tonight. Uh, I, I felt in prayer this week as I was praying, the Lord showed me that there are people in here that you, uh, you've, never, you've never really yielded yourself to receiving the baptism of the Spirit and opened yourself to even to receiving uh, the gift of tongues. Uh, I believe the gift of tongues is a little different than some of the other gifts. The gift of tongues is a gift of intimacy. It's not a gift of ministry. Uh, this is why Paul's saying, I don't, I, you can pray a 100,000 words in a tongue, doesn't mean anything in ministry. But if you want to edify the church, speak prophetically. You know, because a few words prophetically with the understanding are going to be more impactful than the words of tongues, because the tongues are a spiritual language for the edification of your spirit with God's spirit. I say this to say is that I believe tongues is a major key that God's given us to actually walking into the kingdom. We're never going to fully understand the kingdom realm if we're stuck in the second phase of Jesus' earthly ministry. I believe that if we're resistant to the gift of the Spirit and, and, the, and the receiving of the gift of tongues, we're actually saying, God, I just want to stay right here where I'm only relating to you in the ways that are comfortable to me, and I'm only comfortable with the parts of you that are like me that you can come and speak in my language. As long as you're speaking in my language, I'm okay with this, but I'm not willing to come to the places, the unknown places, the alien places, the holy places that require me to change and bend and get uncomfortable. It's actually a threshold. All right, so some of you, I just see it's like the, there's the river here, and Jesus is saying jump in the river. But some of you have actually been taught that it's actually better to just stay right here on the river, and it's better to walk alongside the river and kind of skeptically observe the river. That's how you're going to just die on the bank of the river and recognize that you were made to get in it your whole life. So I just think tonight's the night that God's saying it's time to break through it. I see some that you've had some shackles, and it's like when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and he rebuked them because he said, you stole the key of knowledge that kept people from entering into the kingdom. And some of you feel like have come and you've been given some religious yokes from maybe the, the way of you were raised or the churches or you've been raised, and you feel like you've got shackles on your legs. And I see God wants to break those tonight as you just jump in the river and just trust him and just say, I'm going to let you be God and I'm going to let you take care of what is what is real and, and lead me to the kingdom all right so there's some of you there and then i see there's some of you that you're in the river but you're kind of stiff-legged like like you're like fighting the shore you know like i'm in but i'm not i'm not just gonna bend my knees and let the river take me you realize that when jesus left the earth he entrusted his reputation entirely to the ongoing ministry of the Spirit. Jesus left, 
said, but I'm going to send the Spirit who's going to take of my words and make them known to you. I'm going to take of what's mine and reveal it to you. Jesus literally entrusted his reputation to be held by the Spirit's work through the church. If Jesus can entrust his reputation to the ministry of the Spirit, so can you and I. And I know I'm going long, but it's okay tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm not speaking to you. from. A, I'm speaking as a fellow pilgrim tonight on this own process. That it has been a journey for me to even learn to trust my reputation to the ministry and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the church. To let go different, deeper thresholds of control. Being a church like this, in a valley like this, there's been a lot of painful things spoken about River House. A lot of things that have wounded me. A lot of things that I want to say, that's not true. Slander, all this stuff. It's weird, they do this. People, I was in a coffee shop, I heard somebody talking about all these crazy things that had, da, 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 da. it's been hard. But I want God to be God. And I want his glory here. So I'm saying this is, as a fellow person who's jumped in the river, hear me in the river crying out and saying, I promise it's worth it. <laughs> I was raised in the Nazarene church. My father is an intellectual, he's a surgeon. You have to be smart to do that. I grew up loving the word. Charismatic stuff was harder for me. It was a journey for me. I had to learn to trust God more than myself, to allow myself to experience what he was inviting me into. So I speak with a lot of compassion and zero judgment, but with a really eager thing in my heart to invite you into what I think God's gonna do. So uh, if you're either or two of those groups, like you're, you've never, you want the baptism of the spirit tonight, I'm just, maybe someone play guitar or the keys or something. Um, but I, I want to invite you to do something brave and just to come up here and get in the river. And uh, if, you, if you feel like you've, you've kind of dabbled, but you know, you're in stiff-legged and you haven't really surrendered to it, I want you to invite you to do the same thing as well. Uh, and you can just come forward. Maybe we can dim the lights a little bit. If you guys need to go, like you, you can go, but I wouldn't go now if it was you. <laughs> this is where it gets fun. Um, but yeah, just... That was really dark. Um, yeah, so just, just come forward. Just come forward. There's zero shame. This is a beautiful, beautiful moment. I believe God wants to activate something in many hearts tonight. Yeah, you can just get... If you're on prayer team, you can maybe just gather around people and pray with them as well. Lord, show me two verses. Uh, one is in John 20, and then the other is in Luke 24. And it's describing, it's describing the same encounter where Jesus comes post-resurrection to the disciples in the upper room. Uh, if you're familiar, he, he literally he walks through the wall. And in John 20, he looks at the disciples and he breathes and he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
And then in Luke 24, which is the same encounter, he says, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. <laughs> um, and I believe that the praying in the spirit is actually one of the keys to unlocking the word of God. Uh, we are a word spirit church. And uh, I just see that some of you actually, as the spirit comes upon you, there's going to be thresholds that broke in the word tonight. And it's the same with prayer. Paul's instructing the church many times, pray in the spirit, pray in the understanding, worship in the spirit, worship in the understanding. There's, there's just going to be some breakthrough just in the relationship, the intimate relationship you have with God. Um, I wouldn't typically do this, but I think because I've, I've tried to contextualize this space, I think there's safety here. Um, you know, for I just want to ask those of you that, that pray in the Spirit, I just want you to begin to just pray in the Spirit. It doesn't need to be loud and ecstatic. If the Spirit moves on you in an ecstatic way, you have permission to move in that way. But I just want you to just pray in the Spirit. And this is just an opportunity that we're all individually just honoring the work of the Holy Spirit in this room and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for, for those of you that are down here, I just want you to just, just open your heart and just say, Jesus, I, 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 and, and, and maybe even to the Holy Spirit, just address the, the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and just say, I, I am sorry for any way that I have uh, dishonored you, dishonored your giftings, any ways that I've quenched, quenched your heart or quenched anything. Just, just kind of repent and then just say, God, I want you to be God. Just say, I want you to be God in my heart. I want you to be the God of my life, and I just, I, I, I yield to you. I just bend. And maybe just use that prayer of Evan Roberts and just say, bend me. Bend me tonight, God. And we just thank you that Jesus said he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So I speak, receive the Holy Spirit tonight. God, I thank you for the evidence, God, of praying in tongues. God, that tongues of fire will begin to just fall upon these hearts up front, God, as they're jumping in the river. I just loose their tongues. I speak to your spirit man inside of you, to the spirit man, to the spirit woman. I speak to the inner tongue, to the new tongue. And I say, God, release the new tongue within your sons and daughters. God, I appeal to the inner man, to the inner woman. I say, rise up and take your voice. Rise up and step into the inheritance of the Spirit of God that was purchased for you on the cross of Calvary. So we just say, release your giftings, God. Activate your church tonight, Holy Spirit. Activate your church tonight, Spirit of God. I'm just, I'm going to pray in the spirit. I just feel the Lord leading me to do this. And then oftentimes as I pray in the spirit, then my mind will catch up. And so I'll bring some form of interpretation. It will follow um, for those of you that just, just to kind of pastor the space right now. Hesorama Aratohi Salabo Oroton Baratishti Netikalotrosana de Prostiti Kindraishti Medudora Papri Shalotini Mikaratishni Elondro Potraishti Helanatrosala Papotre Shama Papa Patishni 
Helun Raba Adrama Baba Isolaba Motre, Helo Dreshon Drapa Treshti, Nicarat Rosano Poroto Sharatishti, Helo no Praso Rebekiti Kanaratoshti, Meriti Kore Paratishni, Hitrashon Rapa Paratishti, Hinrataishti Kratatai Sholorotoma, Heshon Ropopos Rapa Papai, Hinratatishti, if you're struggling, if you're down here and you're just struggling, I want you to just raise your hand. And if you're on the prayer team, I just want you to look for anybody that's just raising their hand and that you just come alongside them. And yeah, there's no pressure in this moment. There's no pressure, there's no shame. But I just want to encourage you to just use, exercise your will and to just speak. Speak with new tongues. It's not about necessarily an ecstatic experience. It's actually an expression of faith. It's an expression of faith that says, I trust you more than I trust myself. So you're not being disin inauthentic. You're not being inauthentic. It's just your mind fighting. There's a... And I, I see that there's someone in here, maybe I... You had a spiritual leader, or it was someone that you respect. They spoke to you in a way that was really uh, condemning of the gift of tongues. So they actually associated the gift of tongues with the demonic. And I just see like it was like a word that was wounding to your soul. And I just feel like the Lord wants to actually, you need to forgive that. You need to recognize that kind of that implant of that, that word that came from an authority figure and actually kind of break your partnership with that that judgment that was spoken and then forgive that leader forgive that leader for the words they spoke maybe rashly and from a place of their own pain and their own wounding that's just what came to me as i was praying in the spirit that, that there's someone you just need to forgive forgive any and every spiritual authority that's spoken in a way that's dishonoring of this gifting for your ministry here Holy Spirit we thank you for what you're unlocking right now God we thank you that you're unlocking even for some of you in the congregation I see the I see the Lord coming he is unlocking the scriptures to you right now I see the scripture the Word of God is being opened to you it's like a, a turnkey is being turned and you've been blocked I see it's like a there's been like a wall and I see you just entering into the spirit right now. I see some of you that you've even had this gift. I see it being activated right now. I see 
I see faith really being infused into it and it's breaking. I feel like even as you're exercising your gift right now before the Lord, it's there's something unlocking in your mind. You're going to understand the scriptures. You're going to step into prayer. You're going to step into intimacy with the Lord. I thank you, God. I just see uh, uh, Ephesians 1, God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that, you, that Paul prayed. I see it coming upon some of you right now. I just see if that's you, if that's you and you're sitting even, I just want you to stand up. I just feel like you just feel like something's coming over you. It's just washing over your mind right now. I just thank you, God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, that you would open the inner eyes of your church to see with new vision, God, to hear with new ears, to speak with new tongues, to think with new minds, God. We thank you for the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We just ask for more, God. We ask for more of you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for another wave of your spirit, God, in this place. Just another wave. Thank you for the fire, God, that's just resting on some. God, we thank you. We just thank you, Holy Spirit. We just say you can have your way in the church. We say, Holy Spirit, you can have your way in this church. We say, Holy Spirit, we trust your our reputation to you. We trust our reputation to you, Holy Spirit. We're jumping in the river together as a church, Holy Spirit. And we'll let you take us wherever you want. We don't know where you come from. We don't know where you're taking us, but we trust that it's good, Holy Spirit. We just trust that there is nothing that could be better than your leaderships in our life, Holy Spirit. And we just honor you, Holy Spirit, for how you are, you're different than us. We honor the ways that are so, that, that would violate our understanding. God, but we submit our understanding beneath your revelation of who you are, Holy Spirit. Beneath what you're like, Holy Spirit. And just say, have your way, God. Have your way here, God.
just have a sense that there's someone you're really struggling still right now. And I just, I just hear the, the Lord asking the question, are you willing to let me make you willing? Are you willing to let me make you willing? All it is is a mustard seed. It's just a yes. Just give him a yes. Are you willing to let me make you willing? We just say, yes, God. 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 Yes, have a sense for some of you. You may it's like time to go, and you you just are feeling like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, and you can go. But I just some of you need to just stay. Just feel like. I just want to encourage you, just ask the Holy Spirit, and if you need to stay, stay. If you need to go, go. But we're not going to be in a rush. There's holy moments happening here right now. So we're not in a rush. If you're receiving ministry, I want you to just stay. If the, if the Holy Spirit's working something and you just stay, be patient. We're going to keep ministering to you. We're just going to let this space, try to steward this space well. and Just let, let God be God here.